Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today, we discuss about website migration, how you can get results if you want to migrate your content from uh, the previous place to a new ones. And I'm excited to discuss the topic with Catherine On. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm Thanks doing great. Thanks for having I'm me so... on. <laughs> a big pleasure. You know, uh, I'm so excited to learn more about this topic because uh, I lost traffic, you know, uh, many times with that. Uh, uh, for me, you know, it's hard to create the right name. So uh, <laughs> when uh, I understand that uh, my name doesn't work good, Uh, I can rephrase it or find something else. Uh, yeah, I need to migrate, and I had these issues with my clients. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's very important topic. Before we start, just tell more about your self-experience background and why you decided to teach about that. Sure. Yeah. So I have been involved in SEO for 17 years. I actually um, built my first website in 94. I'm one of those early adopters, but it took me a while to find SEO, actually. Uh, and for the last seven, I've been running my own business. Prior to that, I built out the online marketing and analytics team for Ketchum PR globally. So serving all sorts of clients, <laughs> big ones. Um, so yeah, so I've been doing SEO for a long time. My current uh, agency focuses on organic traffic. We're fighting the fight, good fight to get science visible in Google and YouTube for our clients. So we primarily focus on enterprise size, science focused organizations, both health. And mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think I have a couple of questions about PR as well, you know, because <laughs> I think for me, PR <laughs> is the next level of link building, you know, today. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you want to get high uh, uh, authoritative, relevant links, yeah, PR is a must have, you know, for many projects. And I found a few projects that use only PR campaigns and they uh, get a lot of traffic, you know, SEO traffic. So, yeah, uh, I want to know about that. But uh, let's get back to the main topic, uh, website immigration. For example, if someone decided to uh, use migration to, uh, I don't know, like uh, to a new domain or uh, to uh, new URLs, can you tell where to start, how to learn more about that and uh, to know that everything will be fine? Ah, yeah, that's a good question. So I think Elise Solius is probably the uh, checklist that I borrowed. So she's got one on her website. Um, and of course, you need to modify it for your industry, etc. Um, but the big thing about migration, especially with large websites, is that the more things you change when you migrate, the more risk for traffic loss. Um, so unfortunately, the second... Uh, second client that I helped. Yeah. Like it's number two. Um, so basically <laughs> the first client I migrated was office of the national coordinator, HHS. We moved their tiny little office website into healthit.gov. That was largely successful because we were doing this entire campaign for people to adopt electronic health records here in the U.S. So there was a whole bunch of PR and a whole bunch of other things going on, but it wasn't a new.gov. We did link building because we had to, because it had to build up its authority. That went relatively well. Um, we also had manpower to outreach to everyone who linked to HHS's old office website and ask them to link to healthit.gov. And this it was really big success. Not only did people link the one link that we asked them to update, but they always added others because they were checking out the website and linking to other stuff. So if you have the manpower, do that. Recommend Buzzstream for that. Um, but the second migration I did was 18 different subdomains into one uh, with a site that had about 35 million backlinks. And you're moving from 
platform A, which has a Drupal underneath it all, to platform B, which is a custom-built CMS. Both of them are Google Scholar partners, which is this, it's like 12 companies that are partners with Google Scholar. So anyway, from one to the other. Um, and I think the challenge is that might have been the first time the development team had an SEO who wanted to QA their redirects. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we didn't start that process early enough in retrospect, even though we started pretty early. We just thought that they would be QAing something, but they were not. We were QAing all of it. So there was a lot of delay because they're like, it's fine. And we're like, no, it's not. <laughs> constantly, <laughs> constantly, right? And then they also update their platform every month. And it seems like things don't stay fully stable. So there was a little bit of that. You know, you check the next month. And you're like, oh, it's not working now. Um, so unfortunately, because that one was... So it was 18 different subdomains into a domain they already owned, but wasn't really known for the new topic. And then the design, design changed and all the URLs changed pretty much. So that's a lot of stuff to move all at once. Um, and the performance of site two, the new one, is actually less than it was of site one, the one that we moved off of. So that one still has a traffic loss of about 30% because those redirects did not get executed and some of them rolled back. So they were working month after launch and now they're not. So we're doing that kind of work. The one that I most recently migrated had 150 million backlinks and it's only one domain into one domain. So still 7 million URLs ish to about 2 million indexable. So not small. <laughs> um, <and laughs> 150 backlinks for, you know, 150 million backlinks that gets, you got to get real creative about how to find them all because the tools won't let you export that many. Um, but that one, we got lucky because they published a really popular article about COVID and they're of the authority to rank for that stuff on launch day. So um, if you follow me on Twitter, you can actually see the graph where it just looks, you can't even see the migration. It's magical. You know, the date mm -hmm. happened and it looks just like any other day. Um, but they didn't change as much too. So they didn't, they took one domain to another domain. Yes, they changed platforms and URLs and design, but not like 18 different things into one, right? I think that also, yeah, it was more challenging. Um, and they still had not every redirect executed, but maybe more of them were you know, percentage wise. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, valuable, valuable. Uh, you know, um, I have the question about uh, migration. For example, um, iPhone, when you uh, set up the process, uh, everything looks fine. But for some time, uh, 300 fund redirect can be broken. I don't know why. It happens uh, so often. Can you tell how to control the process? Uh, because on WordPress, on any other system, you can get this issue when African one redirect uh, disappeared. That's it, you know. And uh, sometimes it's frustrating when you can uh, find it for some time, like for a few months, and you got it. Uh, the, uh, you lost your this chain, you know. You can get lost uh, previous backlinks and something like this. How to control the process? <laughs> um, so I mean, think in retrospect for this platform. So then the other challenge about the other challenge is that you would think you're working with a platform, you get the same people every time helping you maybe, but that's not what happened with this client. There's big enough where you get like a different project manager basically. Right. And so you mm -hmm. kind of start over, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so starting early with educating the developers, step one, if they can QA their own stuff, that's obviously better. Otherwise, uh, getting your QA into the process is helpful. Um, but I have become a bit of a paranoid SEO in relation to hoarding all my data, right? So I just, and I possibly got this because I actually spent, I was in the nonprofits for like 
10 years. And one of them was actually volunteer management, which included after natural disasters. So I have a little bit of my brain that's sort of like planning for worst case scenario kind of personality anyway. <laughs> and so I fully deploy that for these kind of things. So I just, I grab screenshots of everything before they move. I, um, and honestly, there were a few moments where I was like, oh, I didn't save enough data, right? So, um, so part of it's that, like literally document everything you think you might ever need before you move. Um, hard to do, obviously, on a site this big where you have to pattern match the URLs. You're not going to literally match all 150 million backlinks. So that's challenging. But we tried to save as much data as we could because, you you know, once you've moved, you can't always find all of this stuff in the web archive. You'll find mm -hmm. some of it, but you can't find all yeah. of it. Love it, yeah. love it. Uh, okay, I have the question about SEO. Uh, 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 can you tell how is important today uh, to uh, to provide migration? Uh, I mean, like, uh, okay, le let me clarify about uh, this question. Uh, for example, uh, do we need to uh, uh, to, pro to provide this migration without uh, some special preparation? I mean, like, uh, to tell our web developers uh, to create a cohesive plan, how we can do it. Or, or we just can use some plugins on WordPress uh, that will lead to new uh, new URLs like 300 plan redirects, uh, or it's the process. You know, for me, it's, it's hard to explain about that, but uh, I can see when websites just use some plugins, uh, set up this redirect, and that's it. You know, uh, what do you think about that? So uh, with the platform we were working with, they actually did server-side redirects and then we are actually testing using Cloudflare for executing some of their redirects mm -hmm. um, because the server side seems to be not working 100% across the board. So we're going to see if we can fix some things with the Cloudflare redirects. Um, I think having them at your domain uh, name service level is more effective than having them as a plugin um, only because if you ever you know, stop hosting the previous website, your redirects go away. I mean, I'm, I'm up for whatever redirects are at the most stable. And I remember when we moved HHS back in the day, the developers did ask me like, oh, how long should we keep them? Like two months? <laughs> like, no, no, no. Years, years. <laughs> Especially, you know, backlinks for a federal.gov. I mean, some of that stuff, it's super important, but it might not be the sexiest stuff that Googlebot's crawling all the time. <laughs> <laughs> might take them a very long time, right? To find those redirects and give all the equities. Anyway, and then the other thing that I've uh, that I've run into is um, can canonical issues are a big deal. Mm -hmm. They're really hard, really hard. And we've had trouble with both of these websites with canonical issues. Uh, and I think even when you have all the signals aligned, Google goes ahead and grabs a different URL that you didn't want them to. So super frustrating. <laughs> As, as yeah. much as possible, align all those signals. Your life will be easier. Uh, you know, I, I like your positive attitude when you are talking about super frustrating things. You know? <laughs> I had yeah. I had a boss at one of the nonprofits I worked at, and every time stuff hit the fan and life got stressful, he laughed. Mm -hmm. So I picked it up from him <laughs> ages ago. I, it works for most people. Sometimes, sometimes I think people feel like I'm being not serious enough or offensive or something, but mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, like part of that's because I worked helping out recover after natural disasters. Like that job was a bit life and death. 
-hmm. Whether or not the journal <laughs> article URL gets into Google search effectively, not life and death. <laughs> Important. <laughs> and I really care about it, but it's just people aren't dying related to it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think you know. Uh, by the way, <laughs> uh, if you make some mistakes uh, without uh, during the process, because it happens all the time. Even big websites. I remember when LinkedIn blocked uh, in robots.txt uh, uh, indexing on Google. You know. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Even LinkedIn can uh, make such mistakes. Uh, many other websites can make mistakes. That's okay. It's the part of the process. Can you tell, for example, if I made these mistakes if i didn't prepare my plan uh, something uh, goes wrong and i can see it how to uh, analyze that uh, i have some broken links uh, some broken chains uh, what to do and how to uh, analyze it which tools can help you with that yeah uh... So the, the backlink tool that I like the most, and for this last project, because of the fact we were trying to get to as many of those 150 million as possible, I had SEMrush, Ahrefs, and Majestic pulled up. Mm -hmm. And you would think with Majestic, you'd get a lot, but no, they still don't give you more than 30 million. Um, <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> it's just like, you just don't see enough patterns. So, you know, we pulled from all the client data too, obviously, Google Analytics, Google Search Console, Bing Webmaster Tools, uh, especially Bing is good because they... Uh, love every URL you've ever published, which also means mm -hmm. they've got all the crap <laughs> that you might not know was there or subdomains or whatever. So I always encourage clients to spin that up just because it gives me very ancient data I was not aware of. Um, but Ahrefs is really, really pretty magical when it comes to how you can segment stuff. So say you're working on a disavow project, which I've also done some work on, and you notice mm -hmm. that all of the crappy links have a certain pattern in the URL from them, mm -hmm. crappy website, right? So even if you're looking at a big, uh, someone with a big backlink profile, you can actually put in the little piece of that crappy link and put it related to the, I think it's the target URL, I forget how they label it, um, and they'll give you a report. So you can segment that, you can segment stuff on your end. So say you're digging through some stuff and you're like, oh, I just now noticed that the previous website had a .mov pattern right? At the end of the URL. I didn't realize they had any .movs, but looks like they do. I wonder how many more of these there are. <laughs> you can put .mov into Ahrefs and it will pull them up. Um, and so by segmenting, 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 you might actually be able to pull them all out. And then what we ended up doing was putting into a Google Data Studio report so I can query mm -hmm. it, the entire pile. So I kind of created my own backlink database, sort of, because we had to. Um, but yeah, so I would highly recommend both Ahrefs for broken backlinks, as well as disavow work, as well mm -hmm. as redirect work. Um, mm -hmm. And I was an early Moz user too, by the way. So I was like Mozer for 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm becoming more and more fond of Ahrefs and what they can do mm -hmm. in relation to backlinks. Yeah, yeah, love it. Uh, and you use SEMrush, Ahrefs, uh, and Majestic to uh, check it out or just Ahrefs? Uh, we used all three because mm -hmm. I needed to get to as many of those backlinks as possible and just monthly mm -hmm. for Majestic. So we basically pulled the data we needed uh, and then spun them down um, mm -hmm. because I don't use Majestic on a day-to-day -day basis. But if you're going to uh, be doing something with a big back redirect mapping process, big disavow, something like that, it's worth having their data to compare. Um, but the two, the two <laughs> software that I can I can't seem to stop paying for one or the other is Ahrefs and SEMrush. SEMrush because I always get clients that want me to know what happened 
last year, three years ago, six years ago. And SEM Rush is the only thing that does that. So anyway, <laughs> I, I get stuck with both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, guys, you can buy a uh, free trial on, on Majestic you know, to check it out and yeah, just, uh, just cancel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, what about Bing? You mentioned about Bing. How Bing can help uh, with that to check out uh, this migration? Um, so the things I used Bing for, um, one, I honestly think like it's not that hard to just spin it up and put a sitemap file in there or your RSS feed, because Bing loves RSS feeds. And you'll maybe get a little bit of extra organic traffic. I know it's not the Google, but it's also like, why say no to it when it's so easy to just sort of set up some basic stuff and see if you get anything, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. part of it is turning it on for that. But the other part is that Bing, I think even in their webmaster tools say, we never forget a URL. And so you will see ancient stuff in there that you just had no idea. It's like redesigns 12 years ago kind of data. Um, but some of it might still be legit, you know, um, structure on your site, links they know about. So I always think it's helpful to spin it up just so you can see what the ancient website looked like. Because it will be, it'll be like a little bit of your current website. And then you will see like the redesign before and the redesign before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, uh, I want to ask about uh, your SEO background. Uh, can you help uh, my audience to create the right content strategy? Because, you know, I, I often see uh, when uh, people can open SEMrush, HRS, Majestic, any other tools, uh, MOS, uh, and uh, they usually check out volume, can see a list of keywords, and start to create content for any topics, you know, to cover a lot more than having resources. Can you tell uh, from your experience how to create the right strategy considering these metrics like keyword difficulty, uh, volume, um, cost per click, any other metrics? Uh, yeah, so I think it really depends on the industry um, because I've worked with National Cancer Institute, which is in a very your money or your life industry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I know a lot about the folks who play in that space. And um, a lot of those results are what I would basically call like whitelisted websites that Google's going to show again and again and again and again for those types of queries. And there's very little opportunity to break through. I mean, they're going. Okay, so WebMD has been doing SEO since before Google, and Medical News Today has 130 people with SEO in their job title, because mm -hmm. I did a competitive analysis for National Cancer Institute. So anyway, like they're behemoths. And so um, if you're in that space, definitely do your research to see if there's any white space for you to break through, because you're going to have to be very creative about what your keywords are. Um, and for other queries, like for instance, if it's a local query, then you have to do all the local SEO stuff on top of the national SEO stuff, which is a bummer. <laughs> it's a lot of extra work. <laughs> and if you're international, same thing. Like you basically take your US strategy, rinse and repeat, do the whole thing over, except in a totally different language and culture and, and a new and promotion, right? The whole thing is all over again. So extra work on both of those. Um, but I do think that you're your strategy is going to depend on how sophisticated your marketplace is. So for the queries you want to appear for, are the other companies, have they been doing SEO for 10 years? Like travel, dear God, travel. Like I forget which one it was. One of the travel companies <laughs> has like 700 SEOs or something. It was a SEO <laughs> conversation about it recently. Like what companies have the most SEOs internally? Um, so, you know, some of them. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> other ones easier. So say you've decided, okay, I'm not in one of those spaces. I'm in a space that's somewhere in the middle. And I think there might be a chance for me to rank. Um, the part that always makes me cry is people 
And again, I spent a lot of time with the, or I have spent a lot of time with the federal government here in the US. And so a lot of those folks have spent blood, sweat, and tears in creating copy with no thought to how it might appear in search, um, which means it's like a beautifully designed brochure in a cold, dark hallway that nobody walks past. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it just makes me cry. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's our tax dollars at work. It's like over there. No one's finding it. Um, so, you know, step one is like, hey, right, I want to appear for this topic. Sure, you've pulled some data from a tool. Cool. But then you have to spin up Google search. Ideally, not your own browser where it's personalized to you, which is where the tools might come into handy. Uh, at the very least, maybe incognito, though that's a little iffy. Um, but you take a look at who's ranking, and then you can do this from scratch. It's painful. But you open every single one up on the front page of Google, and you're like, so what do they have? And how can I, like John Mueller says, why should I rank you over what's currently ranking? Basically, mm -hmm. think of it that way, right? And so um, I did this once for, I was helping out a friend of mine who had a, a client that was senior living resources in Atlanta. And this is why you should look at it every time because your biases are not, you're not the target audience. Am I a senior citizen in Atlanta? No. <laughs> and so I opened <laughs> it up and you know what the pattern was, which a tool would not have told you, by the way, every single one had one of those font resizer options. Of course. <laughs> Because if I have bad eyesight, maybe I need to make the font bigger to know that you've got racquetball on Thursdays, right? So anyway, that was one of the recommendations. Like if you're going to do a landing page, make sure you have one of these font resizer thingies. And you're not going to get that out of SEMrush or just any of those tools. So anyway, I, I'm big about actually looking to see what your competitors are doing and then strategically thinking about what you can create that's better. Nice, nice, valuable. Uh, you mentioned about your money your life. Um, um, I'm interested about this topic because uh, I had a client um, uh, before 2018 when the medical update uh, was launched. And, you mm -hmm. know, um, we got uh, traffic like 700,000 uh, people a month, you know, uh, about weight loss supplements and pretty good traffic, you know. And, yeah, uh, the client earned million dollars, you know, a, a lot of money, you know, with that. But uh, when uh, Google uh, launched this update, traffic dropped in one day. We lost almost this traffic because uh, content was written for uh, search engine, not for human being. Mm -hmm. uh, and in most cases, um, uh, we didn't have uh, any offers on this content, uh, many other stuff. Can you tell what to do if... Uh, the filter, uh, I mean, like this medical update, uh, your money, your life, uh, EAT hit the website. What to do? How to find uh, what to change? And it's possible to uh, update content when you have, I don't know, like a thousand pages with uh, a lot of blog articles, uh, but written by uh, not recognizable experts on this topic. Uh, can you share your tips what to do? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would do is if you have a lot of copy that needs to be updated, uh, prioritize based on the ones where you think you could have a better chance of ranking one. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, again, going back to those behemoths, right, because they're they're dominating and see what they're doing. Um, so um, let me stack it back a second. I'm about 50 50 about whether or not Google knows who writes your copy. So mm -hmm. they have a patent, Miss Bilswalski, but they have a bat a patent about how Google can, with machine learning, figure out whether you have the right parameter on your site to be a high quality site or not, or not for your money or your life. So they can, in theory, if this is something they're using, they can figure it out algorithmically. 
I had that in the back of my head and I work with the sites where I can't write their copy anyway. It's a journal or it's a federal website. Um, mm -hmm. So I haven't been writing copy for my clients. I give them a guide. I'll help them edit. I'll coach, but I won't actually write their copy. Well, the other day I was, or a couple of weeks ago, actually, I was at um, Planet Word Museum in DC, which is all about words. It's an awesome new museum. Um, but one of the exhibits, you put a headset on and it walks you through the fact that they can, with machine learning, evaluate two different corpuses of language and they can actually see if the same person has written both. So if you get um, JK Rowling who wrote Harry Potter, she also guest writes under a different name and I forget what her name is, but they compared those two and you can actually see it's her because it turns out that when you write, you have a unique fingerprint. So you always use a certain turn of phrase or you use a particular word more often than other people. Um, so computers can do that is really the summary. <laughs> and we know for your money or your life that it will matter. So I just kind of wonder whether or not you're going to continue to get away with ghostwriters. That's my 50, mm -hmm. 50 about it. Uh, so with the folks I work with, I don't recommend they do ghostwriters because it doesn't make sense for them anyway, but for other folks that need to, hmm, I don't know. I, I saw that it was, um, I think it was Healthline. No, I don't remember if it was Healthline or Medical News Today. One of the two actually has built out a page that looks a lot like Wikipedia. You know how Wikipedia has a talk page? So it has a, a tab that you can toggle to on all of their articles. And it actually has who has written the article, who medically reviewed the article with like their name and MD and, and other stuff. And so I kind of wonder if the big bohemians that are ranking for this stuff already have gone mm -hmm. to that extent of building out this type of page. Maybe everybody who does health stuff needs to. <laughs> also, if everybody starts copying them, then everybody would have to do it anyway, potentially, right? Um, anyway, so I yeah. I just kind of wonder about, at the very least, you'd have to have an expert review. I've seen recipe sites rank relatively well for that, where because um, some of the recipes that I'm in are like overlap a little bit with medical. And so they'll have a recipe writer, but they'll note who wrote the recipe, like the what do they call it when it's a recipe writer? Anyway, the recipe writer title, whatever it's called. And then they'll put down the dietitian that reviewed with a name. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as much as you can like link all that together so that Google knows it's you or who your dietitian is, the better from like a knowledge graph perspective. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Uh, uh, can you tell more about uh, provoking trust feeling? Uh, for example, when uh, uh, I check out a few studies that uh, customers don't buy from unrecognizable brands and they want to get this trust feeling before buying any products. And that's why Google uh, has this EAT, Expertise Authority Trust. Uh, how do I know uh, that I have this trust feeling a high level? For example, if I check out uh, keyword difficulty, cost per click, uh, volume, I, I can see real metrics, but here I don't know EAT, what kind of metric I have, how uh, to measure it from your experience? How to measure whether or not like the link you're getting from another site is authority enough? Yeah. Um, uh, what about trust? <laughs> or about it's trust? More, trustworthy? Yeah, because authority we can check out with tools. But right, right. Comes. So from like a tools perspective, um, I was new to this because I hadn't noticed this toggle option in Ahrefs, but they have mm -hmm. domain authority, which is a kind of wishy-washy metric because they all make up their own domain authority. So it's like, and you know, Google doesn't use mm -hmm. it. Um, so it's like, uh, you could sort of use it. Very directional though. Um, but what the other thing Ahrefs has, which I think is more helpful, 
is um, whether or not they have um, any domain traffic. <laughs> so if the website mm -hmm. itself gets no traffic, maybe it's crappy, right? So anyway, that was new to me. I was like, oh, that's kind of helpful, actually. Um, and then, of course, you could always see how many, you know, uh, follow and no follow links that website has too, right? As a sign of trust and who's linking to them. So I realize mm -hmm. it's a separate set of work, but you can stay inside Ahrefs and do all of that. So if you've got legit.edu's and .gov's linking to the site that you're getting a link from, probably high trust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think every SEO should probably get a little bit more familiar with what's a what's at an above board link and what's kind of garbage. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, mm -hmm. until I did this disavow work, I was not savvy about it. And honestly, as someone who is involved, who lives in the U.S., and is uh, at least indirectly impacted by the pol political divide here for <laughs> and feels really <laughs> upset that true science might not be making it through to every American citizen. The amount of spun up crappy news websites, dude, and they look somewhat okay. Like my mom probably wouldn't know. I can find out, figure out that they're garbage, but the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of copies of these that I found, I, it was just really mm -hmm. disheartening. Mm -hmm. Google's got their work yeah. cut out for them. Interesting. You know. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, um, I have the question about AI tools. What do you think? Do we need to use them to create content because Google is against them? John Mueller uh, mentioned a few times, don't use them because it's crappy, you know, it's rewriting, it doesn't help uh, at any way. But uh, I can see uh, they're growing, you know, uh, they develop in a way some uh, aspects. Uh, do you think it's a good idea to use them or not? The only time that I've any, used any sort of AI is that, you know, Google Docs now has the ability to summarize your document. So you get like an easy meta description, considering those get rewritten by Google anyway. I don't know. I mean, I've used that as like a starting point for a draft. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, no. But again, I work with sites where it would make no sense for them to use AI to create their content. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, I think if Google can figure out who you are, I don't know. I, again, I, I just think that Google's moving to a world where they possibly know so who's writing your content. I know John Mueller says they don't, but I, I've always been a long-term SEO. I'm kind of like, yeah, but I feel like they're going to get there, you know? And if I want my client to always rank, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do something that's short-term that means that it would be tanked in some algorithm update. I've always been Pollyanna about that anyway. So, yeah. So if you mm -hmm. want gray hat <laughs> tactics, I'm probably not your girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, you mentioned about PR. Can you tell more about how to find the right PR campaigns or PR agencies who can help you to get traffic and results? Because uh, um, I spent some time to uh, speak with many PR specialists, and I can feel they, they are more link builders than PR agencies uh, uh, because they always highlight that you can get uh, links, mentions. Uh, so, uh, do we need to consider it's like link building, or you can get traffic as well with PR campaigns? Yeah, so I mean, uh, most PR companies, they've gotten better since I left. Um, but a lot of them possibly don't understand how to pitch for SEO purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, that said, I did see that I forget which national, it was a global one actually. Um, but it was mm -hmm. a U.S. campaign that won a recent search award. So you could certainly go see who has won the U.S. search awards over the last couple of years. And if one of them is a PR firm, then there you go. I forget which one it was. Um, there's also some SEO firms that do a really good job of it. So I know Distilled has some success from a PR pitching perspective. They're pretty big. 
and go fish digital, which used to be based here. I know they've done some very interesting stuff. I think that's the one where they got coverage on weather.com of all things. So, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so there are some SEO firms that are savvy about it. Um, yeah, I mean, PR, the, well, let me back up a second. The other thing is, is that sort of the, the secret behind a lot of these PR agencies is that unless things have radically changed, a lot of mm-hmm. them don't personalize the pitch at all. They mass blast, which is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be intimidated <laughs> as an SEO. <laughs> I think you might actually maybe do a better job of it. So if you're an SEO who has ever gotten a link building email, for instance, right? And mm-hmm. I've been on the internet since 94. I've seen plenty. They're garbage, all of them. So oh, you know not to do day. that, right? <laughs> you know not to do that. And you have some sense of how to pitch where it would be successful because you've received so many of these damn things, right? So um, the, so it comes down to more to what can I create that would be interesting for a publication to pick up? And again, GoFish Digital, I believe, has presented Search Love maybe about a couple of times over about their process. So you can find those decks, um, but but the idea is you take a look at what your company does, what kind of reporters cover it, and then go see what kind of things these reporters have written, particularly look at anything that's either timely or maybe data-oriented. It depends on your client, right? Um, and then create something that would be interesting for them to pitch. Uh, and for some of these, when, when you get it placed too, depending on where they write, you might get a little syndication. I've experienced that in my career where we had, for instance, Gizmodo covered one of our launches and then that percolated down to all of the syndicated website. It was glorious. Um, There's also very interesting things that SEO people could do very smartly related to some of the big bohemists that could drive some traffic and a little bit more of those additional links like Reddit. I think that PR people could probably figure out Reddit pretty savvily. Um, So Back in the day, it was digged for me. We got front page dig. It also created a whole bunch of other links. So um, that wouldn't be the platform today, but the same idea. Um, yeah. And I mean, so I'm, I honestly think that with a little bit of, with a little bit of brainstorming and creativity and a Buzzstream account, you probably could do a decent job of pitching something. Um, mm-hmm. so I would not be intimidated about the big PR firms. Now okay. that I now that I was inside one for five years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, I found on your LinkedIn profile, she's uh, out of the box thinker who can develop online marketing strategies. Can you tell how to mm-hmm. differentiate yourself from uh, other marketers, specialists, uh, and uh, to provide your unique selling proposition uh, when you cooperate with clients? Yeah. So what makes me different uh, is that, well, I. So I've always been an entrepreneur. I founded my first, I found a nonprofit when I was 16, planned my mm-hmm. first conference when I was 13. I've been doing marketing for a very long time. And every job I've had has been a newly created position. They hire me to come in and figure it out. So um, now I just do that for clients mostly um, versus working in-house. But the weird thing about me is that even though I run an agency, I firmly believe that SEO should be owned in-house. There should be somebody in-house that's responsible for SEO. There are too many moving parts to do it successfully, completely outsourced. It's just crazy. Um, And so what I help folks do is build that because I've built SEO teams myself and I've coached people. Um, In fact, in one instance, I coached a woman who was um, social media focused and not data focused at all. And she got moved into the SEO was dropped on her lap. She was at an enterprise Mm -hmm. ag 
site. <laughs> and then she got <laughs> moved from the content team to the development team. I honestly thought this woman was going to lose her job, but we work together weekly and she's still there. She's deploying schema in Google Tag Manager. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if you are motivated enough and if you have the right sort of background, you could definitely learn SEO. So I help clients with that. So I help National Cancer Institute hire their first SEO because especially for something that big. So the website is like, I feel like it was 2 million-ish, but they had 150 different subdomains on different CMS platforms run by different departments. Like mm -hmm. you actually need a team to like coordinate that internally, but let's start with one, <laughs> right? You <laughs> at least need one person. Um, so most of my clients are like that, where I'm like, you, you need one person internally. Let me help you hire them. Maybe we'll coach mm -hmm. somebody, you know, but let's, or you create all your own content and you have a process for that. Cool. Let's make sure it's actually content that would rank well in search. You know, and let's figure out how you're going to measure it on the other end. Um, so that's mostly what I focus on doing because I really love training and coaching new SEOs. I also think the industry doesn't have enough smart SEOs. So I like adding more into the pile. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, can you tell um, uh, what kind of future SEO uh, will have? You know, can you forecast this future? Because, you know, uh, uh, I often get the question from my audience, do I need to consider SEO today if I want to learn about SEO, if I want to earn money in some day or be an expert, for example, like you? Uh, can you tell uh, uh, what kind of future can see? Because we have many things are coming like metaverse, uh, augmented reality, many, many, many other stuff. Uh, do we need to consider SEO or not? Uh, yes. I mean, even though organic clicks are decreasing, I think there will always be businesses that are hoping for free, what free quotes, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Traffic generated by manual labor versus paying for ads. Um, I mean, I think most urgently what we're all going to see, uh, I'm probably going to have a little bit of, I told you so, is that, you know, next year there's going to be a whole lot of small businesses that have no Google analytics. They have no idea why. <laughs> because <laughs> nobody told them <laughs> Universal's going away. <laughs> I guess it's October, mm -hmm. right? When it stops working. Anyway, I think there's a whole bunch of people that are not plugged in that are going to have a crisis and the industry is going to be really busy when that happens potentially. Um, but I, I think there are, especially with COVID, it changed the whole um, perspective on the internet. Like everybody's relying on the internet. Even folks that weren't are now using it more than they were before. And, um, you know, e-commerce has exploded because of COVID. And so a lot of those are going to be SEO jobs. And you can kind of see that too with the sheer number of jobs being posted um, and people scrambling to get people into those roles. So I don't think SEO is mm -hmm. going away. Um, now I do think, oh, I kind of hope, I think a lot of us are talking to our devices and I really hope that at some point maybe we could measure that so we could all start working on it. I think at the moment, none of us can work on it because we can't show the ROI of it. Um, but it's a big black hole. I also ponder sometimes all the different sources of dark traffic, right? Which are somewhere in the digital marketing mix and they might be SEO. Hard to measure, but we know they're definitely dry, like Slack channel stuff. You know, there's a whole bunch of different things that are dark that we really can't measure, but we know drive traffic. So it'd be kind of interesting if we could actually get some insight into some of those. And I feel like a lot of those are going to increase too. And then there's a lot of things that get dumped into direct in Google Analytics, unfortunately, right? So mm -hmm. um, maybe yeah. somebody smarter than me will figure out how we can measure some of it. But I do think all those things are unfortunately going to increase. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but I do think SEOs as in general probably should get a bit better at making sure that we retain the user, which I try to help my mm -hmm. clients with. Like get, get the user off a search into an email list or some other mm -hmm. connection where they're going to find the brand again. Um, yeah, valuable yeah. advice. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I remember when the last time uh, uh, voice search, yeah, probably voice search uh, uh, shouldn't destroy the SEO, you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, today, uh, right now uh, we can have some conversations that metaverse uh, will destroy SEO, but I can see SEO is growing. Yeah, we have this growing, and it will not be dropped in one day, you know, just without mm -hmm. SEO traffic, you know, it takes time. Uh, of course, SEO will be dead in 100 years and 200 years. I don't know. It's hard to predict because I remember when Jeff Bezos uh, told his team that Amazon will be bankrupt one day because everything can be uh, dropped. Uh, uh, yeah. and uh, But today we can see it's growing. And if we can see it's decreasing, you can adapt to other channels, you know, to find something new. So that it's the process. And voice search couldn't. Uh, destroy SEO. Uh, probably uh, Metaverse can take some part of the trade, but can't take everything. Yeah, because we have these habits uh, to use search engines. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I I do think that maybe the the one bigger trend that maybe SEOs should be a part of is the searches without queries, only mm -hmm. because Ray Kurzweil's been at Google for almost a decade, right? He's head of building Google into a brain. And he has definitely said that I'm working on eliminating the pain of searching, right? <laughs> so, so you know Google is sort of heading in that direction. And so perhaps continuing to push about knowing your users, you could be discovered and discover, right? I think SEOs are in a good position to sort of make sure there's clear personas and there's some user research and some other things. So. I don't think that those are things we should abandon. I think we should do more of them because <laughs> we're we're the best position to sort of state the case for why it needs to happen. Love it, love it. Catherine, uh, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. You shared a lot of valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Sure. So uh, my website is wostrategies.com. I actually have two podcasts. I have a daily SEO uh, Alexa flash briefing micro podcast, which has been on hiatus. Hello, COVID. Um, but I hope to <laughs> reinvigorate. Uh, the other one is the digital marketing victories podcast. It's an interview style podcast. So feel free to check that out. I talk about the soft skills in digital marketing. Um, mm. And then on Twitter, nice. uh, that's K-W-A-T-I-E-R. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Catherine, I think it's Catherine Watsia on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Nice, nice. Guys, uh, I, I love listening to audio podcasts because uh, for me, it's my loving format. Uh, when you are so busy, have no time uh, because of many other things to do. Uh, but you can uh, kill two birds with one stone. Listen to audio podcasts and do some other stuff. For example, uh, walking with your dogs or exercising or driving, anything. You know, you can listen to audio podcasts. Uh, I listen to a bunch of audio podcasts. Uh, I will subscribe after the show to all your podcasts because, guys, you need to do it. You can see a lot of valuable insights. It's a must-have to learn a lot from Catherine. It's a big pleasure again. You know, uh, thank you a lot. Uh, you can find, guys, uh, all links to Catherine in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.